I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Welcome uh, to the mansion of Leaves of Glen. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just uh, recording in my basement. This is where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. Uh, this week, we're going to uh, keep reading The Hound of the Baskervilles by Arthur Conan Doyle. You want to learn about the author again for the 13th time? Sure, why not? Oh, Sir Arthur Ignatius Conan Doyle uh, was born on the 22nd of May, 1859, and died on the 7th of July, 1930. He was a British writer and physician. He created the character Sherlock Holmes in 1887 for A Study in Scarlet, the first of four novels and 56 short stories about Holmes and Dr. Watson. Uh, the Sherlock Holmes stories are milestones in the field of crime fiction. Ah, you want to hear some fun facts? Sure you do. Uh, Sherlock Holmes is the most popular film character ever. Or at least the most popular human character. He's been in 226 films, while Dracula has been in 239. And he's been in film for more than 100 years. Uh, His first silent film, Sherlock Holmes Baffled, was made in 1900. Sherlock never actually said elementary, my dear Watson. It feels like everything we know is a lie. I got this from a site. I'm not saying this with my own my own mouth. Uh, while the detective says elementary uh, and, and, and my dear Watson several times, uh, he never puts the two together. Sherlock's IQ is 190. How would we know that? Because some guy named John Radford estimated in his book that the intelligence of Sherlock Holmes and the other three-pipe problems, uh, the average between 100 and 110 is for most people, while Einstein's is 160. So this guy, John Radford, came to the conclusion that Sherlock Holmes' IQ is 190. I've been reading this book, and I'm not yet astounded by the high IQ of Sherlock Holmes or Watson. So the fact that this guy just came to the conclusion that he's got an IQ of 190 is just a moron coming to a conclusion about a fictional character based on no real mathematics or evidence or anything. Cool. It's like that one guy that refused to believe that uh, uh, Kafka's metamorphosis could ever be about a dung beetle because he's read enough Kafka to understand the mind of Kafka and decide that Kafka would never make it a dung beetle. How would you know that? You don't. He just decided, and he thinks he's an authority. Love it. Well, with that, how much time do I still got left? Ah, crap. I have, like, a ton. I needed more fun facts. I have nothing to say. Uh, what have I done recently? Nothing. Uh, traveling, I guess. Kinda. Uh, my work has me doing stuff. I literally have nothing to say. And I have so much time left. Uh, any stories about the dog? No. My kids? 
Now, my daughter, actually, my oldest, she said that she wants to read Dune, which I thought was really kind of cute. Because I was saying, uh, when we had the, uh, the Unsighted podcast on as guests, uh, suddenly my daughter had all these opinions about the book we were reading. And because uh, she's like familiar with the author and the structure and why he writes the books the way he writes them. So she had these opinions. So I was writing them down. I'm like, I'm going to give you credit. So I gave her credit on the show. I said, You want to be on the show? She said, No. But then later she said, We should read Dune and then we'll talk about it on like an episode. And I thought that was adorable as hell. So there's a chance my daughter won't come on to make fun of me like she promised. But uh, there's a small chance that she might come on and the two of us will talk about Dune. Uh, do I want to read Dune? Not really. A guy I met in New Jersey loves all the Dune books. He did explain them to me in a way that made them sound like they could be interesting, but he even said himself, oh, you got to get into, like, book three before they get really good. The Dune books are really long. To get to book three is quite a feat, and I'm not a fast reader. So, uh, maybe my kid will inspire me to finally dive into that, and we'll read all of them. That'll make the guy in New Jersey happy. Oh, thank God. Well, with that, uh, let's move on and read uh, Chapter 13 of The Hound of Baskervilles. Chapter 13. Fixing the Nets. Sir Henry was more pleased than surprised to see Sherlock Holmes, for he had some days been expecting that recent events would bring him down from London. Oh, he did raise his eyebrows, however, when he found that my friend had neither any luggage nor any explanations for its absence. Oh, that's right, he's been living in a cave this whole time and uh, apparently pooping. Uh, somebody who's none of your business brought up to me when I explained that uh, apparently Holmes had been living in a cave for a while and hired this little boy to come out and deliver food to him. And uh, and uh, that person who's none of your business said, did he poop in a bucket? Did he make the kid carry the bucket away with him? Is that how Watson found the kid? This kid's walking along with a bucket of urine and feces splashing around on his back, singing a little song about the gentleman from London town. Uh, anyways... Where is he pooping? We're never going to know. We're going to talk about this in the book. Uh, between us, we soon supplied his wants. And then, over a belated supper, uh, we explained to the baronet as much of our experience as it seemed desirable that he should know. Probably used their bathroom when he had to go visit him. Uh, but first, I had an unpleasant duty of breaking the news to Barrymore and his wife. To him, it may have been an unmitigated relief. But she wept bitterly into her apron. To all the world, he was the man of violence, half animal, half demon. But to her, he always remained the willful little boy of her own girlhood. Oh, the child who had clung to her hand. Evil indeed is the man who is uh, not one woman to mourn him. I've been moping in the house all day since Watson went off to the morning, said the baronet. I guess I should leave it, uh, should have some credit, for I have kept my promise, and if I hadn't sworn not to go out alone, I might have had a more lively evening, for I had a message from Stapleton asking me over there. I have no doubt that you would have more uh, lively evening, said Holmes dryly. By the way, I don't suppose you appreciate that we've been mourning over you as having broken your neck? Oh, Sir Henry opened his eyes. Uh, how is that? This poor wretch was dressed in your clothes. I fear your servant who gave him uh, to him may get into trouble with the police. 
Ah, that's unlikely. There's no mark on any of them, as far as I know. That's lucky for him. In fact, it's lucky for all of you, since you are all on the wrong side of the law in this matter. Now, I'm not sure that as a conscientious detective, my first duty is not to arrest the whole household. Watson's reports are most incriminating documents. Yeah, but how about the case? asked the baronet. Have you made anything out of the tangle? Yeah, I don't want to know what Watson and I are much the wiser since he came down. Well, I think that I should be in a position to make the situation rather more clear to you before long. Oh, it's been an exceedingly difficult and more complicated business. Oh, there are several points upon which we still want light, but it is coming all the same. Well, you have one experience, as Watts has no doubt told you. Uh, we heard the hound on the moor. So I can swear that it's not all empty superstition. I had uh, something to do with dogs when I was out west. <laughs> and I know that when I hear one, oh, if you can uh, muzzle that one and put him on a chain, I'll be ready to swear you are the greatest detective of all time. Well, I think I'll muzzle him and chain him all right if you give me your help. Well, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Burp. <laughs> Very good. And then I'll ask you also to do it blindingly without always asking the reason. Uh, just as you like. And if you'll do this, I think the chances are that our little problem will soon be solved. I have no doubt. He stepped suddenly and stared fixedly over my head into the air. Oh, the lamp beat upon his face, and so intent was it that it's so still that it might have been that, uh, that a clear-cut classical statue, a personification of alertness and expectation. <laughs> uh, what is it? We both cried. I could see as he looked down that he was repressing some internal emotion. Oh, his features were still composed, but his, but his eyes shone with amused exultation. Oh, uh, excuse the admiration of a connoisseur, said he as he waved his hand toward the line of portraits which covered the opposite wall. Watson won't allow that I know anything of art. That is mere jealousy because our views upon the subject differ. Now, these are really very fine series of portraits. Well, I'm glad to hear you say so, said Sir Henry, glancing with some surprise at my friend. Uh, I don't pretend to know much about these things, and I'd be better to judge of a horse or a steer than that of a picture. I don't know uh, that you found time for such things. Oh, I know what is good when I see it, and I see it now. That's Neller, I'll swear. That lady in the blue silk over yonder and the stout gentleman with the wig ought to be Reynolds. They're all family portraits, I presume. Oh, everyone. Do you know the names? Barrymore has been coaching me in them, and I think I can say my lessons fairly well. Who is the gentleman with the telescope? Oh, that is Rear Admiral Baskerville, who served under Rodney in the West Indies. Uh, the man with the blue coat and the roll of paper is Sir William Baskerville, uh, who is chairman of committees on the uh, House of Commons under Pitt. Uh, and this cavalier <laughs> opposite to me, the one with the black velvet and the lace. Ah, uh, you have right to know about him. That is the cause of all the mischief. The wicked Hugo, who started the Hound of the Baskervilles. Oh, we're not likely to forget him. I gazed with interest and some surprise upon the portrait. Oh, dear me, said Holmes. It seems a quiet, meek-mannered man enough, uh, but I dare say that there was a lurking devil in his eyes. I had pictured him as a more robust and ruffianly person. Now, there's no doubt about the authenticity uh, for the name and the date. 1647 are on the back of the canvas. 
Holmes said little more, but the picture of the old Royster seemed to have a fascination for him, and his eyes were continually fixed upon it during supper. Oh, it's not until later, when Sir Henry had gone to his room, that I was able to follow the trend of his thoughts. Uh, let me back into the banqueting hall, his bedroom candle in his hand, and he held it up against the time-stained portrait on the wall. Uh, did you see anything there? I looked at the broad-plumed hat and the curly love locks and the white lace collar and the straight, severe face, which was framed between them. That was not a brutal countenance. But it's a prim, a hard, ooh, and stern, with a firm set, ooh, thin-lipped mouth, and a coldly intolerant eye. Is that like what you know? Ah, oh, there's something of Sir Henry about the, mm, jaw. Just a suggestion, perhaps, but wait an instant. He stood upon a chair, and holding up the light in his left hand, he, he curved his right arm over the broad hat and around the long ringlets. Oh, yeah, good heavens, I cried in amazement. The face of Stapleton had sprung out of the canvas. Ha! You see it now? My eyes have been trained to examine faces and not their trimmings. <laughs> I am an expert in faces. <laughs> it is the first quality of a criminal investigator that he should see through a disguise, of course. But this is marvelous. It must be his portrait. Yes... Is an interesting instance of a throwback which appears to be both physical and spiritual. Now, a study of family portraits is enough to convert a man to the doctrine of reincarnation. The fellow is a Baskerville, that is evident, with designs upon the succession. Exactly. The chance of the picture has supplied us with one of our most obvious missing links. We have them, Watson. We have them. And I dare, this is all circumstantial evidence, and I dare swear that before tomorrow night, He'll be fluttering in our net as helpless as one of his own butterflies. This is a guy with 190 IQ. A pin, a cork, and a card. And we add him to the Baker Street Collection on circumstantial evidence. He burst into one of his rare fits of laughter as he uh, turned away from the picture. <laughs> and I have not heard him laugh often, and it was always boded ill to somebody. I was up uh, bedtimes in the morning, but Holmes was afoot earlier still, for I saw him as I dressed coming up to the drive. Yes, we should have a full day today, he remarked and rubbed his hands with the joy of action. Ah, the nets are all in place, and the drag is about to begin, and we'll know before the day is out whether we have caught our big, lean-jawed pike, or whether he has got through the meshes. Hmm, yeah, yeah. Have you, have you been on the moor already? Oh, I've sent a report from Grimpen to Princetown as to the death of Selden. I think I can promise uh, that none of you will be troubled in the matter. And I have also communicated with my faithful Cartwright, uh, uh, who would certainly have pined away at the door of my hut as a, as a dog does at his master's grave, if I had not set his mind at rest about my safety. Now, oh, yeah, what's the next move? To see Sir Henry. Ah, oh, oh, here he is. Good morning, Holmes, said the baronet. You look like a general is planning a battle with his chief of staff. Ah, that's the exact situation. Watson was asking for orders. Ah, and so do I. Very good. Uh, you are engaged, as I understand, to dine with our friends, the Stapletons, tonight. Ah, uh, with that, why don't we take a little break? Uh... Uh, we could go up to the master bedroom. Oh, but before we do that, one thing I noticed, if you're going to have portraits that are old as hell hanging on your wall, 
Um, you know, it's dangerous. They're made of, you know, oil paints, which can flake off or get dusty. You gotta have the sun shine on it too much and bleach out all the colors. It's kind of a crap idea, actually, having paintings. Uh, what's better is to have your entire family portraits done in stained glass. Glass from companies like Door Glass Incorporated. It's D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S dot com. All the dedicated fabricating professionally installing the highest quality glass products for the nation's top manufacturers. Their inventory, combined with their years of experience, makes them the premier source for installation and repair. They approach every project with the same goals. Professionalism, integrity, and most importantly, when you're going to have a stained glass uh, portrait made of a family member and you, you maybe you don't want that family to know that one of them is a mysterious other neighbor who's trying to take over the family by killing him with the dog so you want to try to immortalize it in a stained glass uh, portrait of a guy who's a jerk who lives next door trying to kill you with the dog but you don't want him to know about it yet they're discreet Oh, they do commercial storefronts, automatic entrances, windows, door patios, uh, mirrors, shower doors, installation repair, and they will design and build anything you want I want a stained glass portrait of a jerk neighbor trying to kill all of us with some dog that he never feeds, so he's hungry all the time and keeps killing people. Uh, and I also want to make sure you get that jaw. I want to make sure you get the family jaw. Get the family jaw in there. All oh, Door Glass Incorporated will sit down with you and they'll sketch the whole thing out and they'll get it all figured out. Like, oh, do you want the teeth on the dog to be bigger? Oh, much bigger than that. Got to make sure they're much bigger because uh, my family got real strong legs. My family's got real, real strong legs. You got to get a dog with bigger teeth to cut through those legs. That kind of thing. Uh, and, don't, and don't forget the jaw. Oh, and they won't forget the jaw. They'll put it all in their design. They have clients like Pottery Barn, Williams Sonoma, Sherman Williams, Portillo's, which makes sandwiches, the Salt Cave, and for God's sakes, they're in Minneapolis, don't touch the walls, and Applebee's. All right, now, with that, why don't we go upstairs to my master bedroom, where we can talk for a minute. Relax. It's been a while since I've seen you. Snuggle up with me. Whisper to me what's been going on with you for the last few weeks. Hold on. I'm coming. I see you to grab a, another salsa. Uh, hey. What the hell are you dressed like? Why are you dressed like that? You're dressed like a, a weird little boy. A weird little boy that'll never go... You're Nick Jonas. Why the hell are you dressed like Nick Jonas? The book. All right. Well, you put the book here on the bed. A text for you. A novel by Sophie Kramer. Uh, it's coming out in February 8th. It's a heartwarming story of loss, serendipity, and texting. What does this have to do with Nick Jonas? Soon to be a major motion picture starring Sam Houston uh, and Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Oh, oh, the... Actress who married Nick John. That's a nice... T you did great. After a heated argument, Clara's fiancé stormed out of their apartment. But before they had a chance to reconcile, he died in a tragic accident. Oh, it's been two years. Oh, but she's still paralyzed with grief, and her friends are worried about her. So, to try and say what was left unsaid, she, she starts texting his old phone. No, that's weird. Uh, what she does realize is that the number has been reassigned. Yeah, most likely. Across town, Sven's phone. Yeah begins receiving across the world mysterious messages, uh, but a heartfelt text message, he doesn't respond. But he's captivated by the sender. His own relationship's been on the rocks. Oh, God. And when, he uh, and when it ends, he sets out to find the person who's been texting him. Ugh. Neither Sven nor Clara 
uh, knew what they were setting out to find. But it would change both their lives forever. Uh, great. Uh, take advantage of somebody who's emotionally distraught. Uh, that's a book by Penguin Random House. Nice choice. Uh, a Text for You by Sophie Kramer. Uh, it's coming out February 8th uh, from Amazon. Barnes & Noble, Books Million, Bookshop.org, Hudson Booksellers, IndieBound, Powell's Target, and Walmart. Well, that was crap. Can you stop dressing like a man-child and uh, I, ugh, just go back downstairs and I'll meet you down there and we'll finish this goddamn book. There we go. Now we get all... Oh, you didn't bother to take the cheap stubble off. Nice. Look at you in a boy band. I hope that you will come also. They are very hospitable people, and I am sure that they will be very glad to see you. I fear that Watson and I must go to London. Hey, to London? Yes. I think that we should be more useful there at the present juncture. The baronet's face perceptibly lengthened. Lengthened? I hope that you are going to see me through this business. The hall and the moor are not very pleasant places when one is alone. My dear fellow, you must trust me implicitly and do exactly what I tell you. Oh, you can tell your friends that we should have been happy to have come with you, but an urgent business required us to be in town. We, we hope very soon to return to Devonshire. Hmm. Ah, will you remember to give them the message? Ah, you insist upon it. Ah, there's no alternative, I assure you. And I saw by the baronet's clouded brow, a long face and a clouded brow, is a very unattractive person, that he was deeply hurt by what he regarded as our desertion. Uh, when you do desire, uh, when do you desire to go? Wow, I read that pretty cool. He asked coldly, immediately after breakfast. Ah, we'll drive to Coombe, Tracy. Uh, but Watson will leave his things as a pledge that he will come back to you. Watson, will you send a note to Stapleton and tell him that you regret that you cannot come? I have a good mind to go to London with you, said the baronet. Why should I stay here alone? Yeah, because it's your post of duty. Yeah, because you gave me your word that you would do as you were told. And I tell you to stay. All right, then I'll stay. Oh, uh, one more direction. Uh, I wish you to drive to Merripit House uh, and send back your trap. However, and let them know that you intend to walk home. To, uh, uh, to walk across the moor? Yes. That's the very thing which you have so often cautioned me not to do. Uh, this time you may do it with safety, uh, and I have not uh, every confidence in your nerve and courage, and I would not suggest it, uh, but it is essential that you should do it. Ugh, and I'll do it. And as you value your life, do not go across the moor in any direction save along the straight path which leads from Merripit House uh, to the Grimpen Road uh, and is your natural way home. I'll do just what you say. Very good. <laughs> and then I'll be glad to get away as soon after breakfast as possible so as to reach London in the afternoon. I was most astounded by this program. Though I remember that Holmes had said to Stapleton on the night before that this... Uh, that his visit would terminate next day. It had not crossed my mind, however, uh, that he would wish me to go with him, nor could I understand how he could both be absent or at a moment with which he himself declared to be critical. There was nothing for it, however, but implicit obedience. So uh, we begged goodbye uh, to the rueful friend, and a couple of hours afterwards, uh, we were at the station of Coombe Tracy and had dispatched a trap upon its return to the, uh, the journey. Oh, a small boy was waiting upon the platform. Uh, any order, sir? 
Oh, you will take this train to town, Cartwright. Uh, the moment you arrive, you will send a wire to Sir Henry Baskerville in my name to say that if he finds the pocketbook which I have dropped, he is to send it by registered post to Baker Street. Hey, yes, sir. And ask at the station office if there's a message for me. The boy returned with a telegram, which Holmes handed to me, and it ran, Wire received. Coming down with urgent warrant. Uh, arrive, f- uh, five, 540 Lestrade. That is an answer to mine of his morning. He is the best of the professionals, I think, and we may need his assistance. Now, Watson, I think that we cannot employ our time better than by calling upon the acquaintance of Miss Laura Lyons. His plan of campaign was beginning to be evident, and he would use the baronet in order to convince the Stapletons that we were really gone. And while we should actually return at the instant when we're likely to be needed, that telegram from London, if mentioned by Sir Henry to the Stapletons, must remove the last suspicions from their mind. Already I seemed uh, to see our nets drawing closer around that lean-jawed pike. I'm going to guess that pike is probably an insulting thing to say. Let's take a look. A long-bodied predatory freshwater fish... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm sure in Europe maybe it has some kind of different meaning that might be insulting. I'm not sure. Uh, But he's just calling him a fish, as far as I know, as a dumb American reading something that's thousands of years old. Miss Laura Lyons was in her office, and Sherlock Holmes opened his interview with a frankness and directness which considerably amazed her. I am investigating the circumstances which attended the death of the late Sir Charles Baskerville, said he. My friend here, Dr. Watson, has informed me of what you have communicated, and also of what you have withheld in connection with that matter. What am I withheld, she said defiantly. Uh, You've confessed that you've asked Sir Charles to be at the gate at ten o'clock. And we know uh, that was the place and hour of his death. And you withheld what the connection is between these events. There's no connection. And then in that case, the coincidence uh, must indeed be an extraordinary one. But I think that we shall succeed in establishing a connection after all. And I wish to be perfectly frank with you, Miss Lyons. We regard this case as one of murder. And the evidence may implicate not only your friend, Mr. Stapleton, but his wife as well. Oh, the lady sprang from her chair. His wife, she cried, and the fact is no longer a secret. The person who has passed for her sister is really his wife. Oh, Miss Lyons resumed her seat. Her hands were grasping the arms of the chair, and I saw the, the uh, ugh, gross, the pink nails had turned white with the pressure of her grip. Gross, gross, gross. His wife, she said again, his wife. He is not a married man. Sherlock Holmes shrugged his shoulders. Prove it to me! <laughs> exclamation point. Prove it to me! Exclamation point. And if you can do so, M dash, exclamation point, the fierce flash of her eyes said more than any words. I have come prepared to do so, said Holmes, drawing several papers from his pocket. Here is a photograph of the couple taken to New York four years ago. Oh, it is endorsed Mr. and Mrs. Vandeleur. And you will have no difficulty in recognizing him and her also. And if you know her by sight... Uh, Here are three written descriptions by trustworthy witnesses of Mr. and Mrs. Vandeleur, uh, who at that time kept St. Oliver's private school. Read them and see if you can doubt the identity of these people. Oh, she glanced at them and then looked up at us with a a set, rigid face of a desperate woman. 
Mr. Holmes, she said, this man had offered me marriage on condition that I would get a divorce from my husband. He has lied to me, the villain, and in every conceivable way. Not one word of truth has ever been told me. And why, M-dash, why, question mark? I imagined that was all for my own sake. But now I see that I was never anything but a tool in his hands. Why should I prefer, uh, preserve faith with him who has never kept any with me? Why eh, should I try to shield him from the consequences of his own wicked acts? Ask me what you like, and there is nothing which I shall hold back. One thing I swear to you, I get it, she's really talking a lot, is that uh, when I wrote the letter, I never dreamed of any harm to the old gentleman who had been my kindest friend. Oh, I entirely believe you, madam, said Sherlock Holmes. Ah, the recital of these events must be very painful to you, and, and perhaps it'll make it easier if I tell you what occurred. And, uh, and, and you can check me if I make any material mistake. Uh, the sending this letter was suggested uh, to you by St uh, Stapleton? He dictated it. And I presume that the reason he gave uh, was that you would receive help from Sir Charles for the legal expenses connected with your uh, divorce? Exactly. And then after you had sent the letter, he dissuaded you from keeping the appointment. He told me that it would hurt his self-respect that any other man should find the money for such an object, and that uh, though he was a poor man himself, he would devote his last penny to removing the obstacles which had divided us. And he appears uh, to be a very consistent character. And you had heard nothing until you read the reports of the death in the paper? No. And you made you swear to say nothing about your appointment with Sir Charles? He did. And he said that the death was a very mysterious one, and that I should certainly be suspected that the facts came out. Oh, he frightened me into remaining silent. Quite so. But, uh, but you had your suspicions? She hesitated and looked down. Oh, I knew him, she said. But if he had kept faith with me, I should always have done so with him. And I think, on the whole, you have a, a fortunate escape, said Sherlock Holmes, and you have had him in your power and knew it. And yet, you are alive. You have been walking for some months very near to the edge of a precipice. Hmm. Ah, and we shall wish you good morning now, Miss Lyons, and it is probable that you will very shortly hmm, ah, hear from us again. Our case becomes rounded off. A difficulty after difficulty thins away in front of us, said Holmes, as we stood waiting for the arrival of the express from town. I shall soon be in the position of being able to put into a single connected narrative one of the most singular and sensational crimes of modern times. Students of criminology will remember the analogous incidents in Godno, Godno, whatever, in Little Russia, in the year 66. And of course, there are the Anderson murders in North Carolina. <laughs> but this case possesses some features which are entirely its own. Even now, we have no clear case against this very wily man, but I shall be very much surprised. Yeah, it's all circumstantial. If it is not clear enough before we go to bed this night, the London Express came roaring into the station. And a small, mm, eh, wiry bulldog of a man had sprung from a first-class carriage. Oh, we all three shook hands, and I saw at once from the reverential way in which Lestrade gazed at my companion that he had learned a good deal since the days when he had first worked together. And I could well remember the score in which the theories of the reasoner used then to excite the practical man. Anything good? he asked. Ah, the biggest thing for years, said Holmes. We have two hours before we need to think of starting, and I think we might employ it in getting some dinner. And then, eh, eh, Lestrade, we will take the London fog out of your throat eh, by giving you a breath of the pure night air of Dartmoor. <laughs>
Really? It's all, like, bogs. Never been there? Ah, well, I don't suppose you'll forget your first visit. Ugh. Well, with that, why don't we retire down to the smoking room and review what the hell we just read. Well, uh, why don't you get settled as we recap the chapter? Eh, I don't really know what went on. Basically, Holmes, we still don't know where he poops and pees, uh, but he definitely did it when he got to the house, the mansion. Uh, looks at the portraits on the wall and says, Oh, that guy looks like your neighbor. I hate him. He looks just like your neighbor. Well, we solved the crime. So, uh, that's silly. That's just coincidence. That could be anything. That could be a, a painter painting the portrait. It's just like, I want weird jaws. So he just does it. Doesn't matter. It's not a photograph. So, um, but in either case, uh, that's not really evidence. So what, what am I too used to Angela Lansbury? Uh, I'm, I'm used to actual clues being dropped that you can pick up. So far, this story is kind of just a collection of outlandish weird things uh, and right now, Holmes is kind of jumping to big conclusions, not actual real evidence or anything. Uh, a little bit with uh, what's-her-name going to the gate to meet him, and, like, that's uh, murder and whatever. Uh, we don't know for sure. I don't know. It's, it seems a little sloppy. Uh, so what's good? Book's almost done. What sucks? Seems a little sloppy. And doesn't, uh, I was expecting a lot more, like, Here's the clues that lead you to have a chance to figure out what's going on uh, ahead of Holmes. Or if you suck at it, you just let Holmes tell you. You'd be like, oh, that's right. I remember all those things. You kind of have that, but it's all circumstantial stuff. It's not actually like hard evidence. So what do we learn? Uh, even though this author uh, has based this off his teacher, who is a, a medical doctor that can look at a sick person and just instantly know exactly what's wrong with them because he's very uh, keen in observation and could like look at the symptoms and just know them because he knew everything about that by heart. He's trying to apply that to this, but the author isn't uh, the most intelligent man in the world, so she's kind of sloppy and weird. Uh, I have two chapters left of this book, and I am never reading another book like this again. Uh, so, what do we learn? Don't read books like this. Uh, unless you're, you know... You, you love the mystique of a guy in a weird hat and uh, the toxic air of London back then and uh, and just pretentious jerks running around, hiding in caves, pissing in buckets and making little boys carry him out of the cave. Uh, with all that, uh, go ahead and read it. But if, uh, if you're like me, uh, don't. You're just going to get fussed. Well, with that, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, the next episode, I think I'm going to cram in the last two chapters and then uh, move on with my life. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from the Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. 
You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a House Nuzzle. So you got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.Nuzzles at gmail.com. But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's gotta be one left.